What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 7. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 7. Thank you so much for all of the feedback regarding every case that we've covered so far. Season 7 is flying by, and including this one, we only have three episodes left of this season. And then we take our standard short break before returning for Season 8. As we've already covered, from Season 8 onwards, we will no longer be separating famous stories from your true paranormal experiences. There are still quite a few famous cases that I do wish to cover on The Dark Paranormal, And I will over the next few seasons. However, I think what fascinates all of us is when we hear a genuine, authentic, true paranormal experience that we haven't heard before. And that's because those stories don't come from an Ed or Lorraine Warren. They come from you, the dark paranormal listener. How terrifying something is, I genuinely think is all a matter of personal opinion. But in my humble opinion... We've saved the most terrifying of your paranormal experiences for the last few episodes. This is truly your show, and to that point, I'd like to ask a favour. In the show notes, there's a link to a questionnaire. That questionnaire will ask a range of questions about the show, and the other show I produce, We Need to Talk About Ghosts. The aim of the questionnaire is literally so I can take all of your feedback on board en masse and attempt to better myself as a podcaster and the two shows I produce. It will take roughly two minutes to fill in, and you can also win a £50 voucher. The winner will be drawn on the 31st of July. Remember, this is your show. I'm simply the conduit to deliver your true paranormal experiences. So, this is your chance to shape what we do here on The Dark Paranormal. 
Today's true paranormal experience for me is a lesson about perception, about how we use our survival instincts to conjure up situations so that we can imagine how to get out of them should they come about. This inherent act of self-defense is of course there to protect us, but sometimes it may do more harm than good. However, there's also the possibility it might just save your life. But before we get into today's truly profound paranormal experience, I of course need to thank our wonderful team members over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you also get access to the exclusive Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is released each and every week, even on the downtime between seasons, and there's a whole back catalogue for you to go and binge. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal, just like these wonderful new team members have. Garen Chance, Robert McCoy, Keith Dale, Sarah Jane, Joycey Freeman, Sarah Colley, Carissa Rodriguez, Colly Hume, Colby, Brandy Ray, Kira, Laurie Ann Sloniker, Paul Houston, Michelle Healis, Megan, Tom Fenton, Kirsty1821, Rebecca Kelly, Frank Turpo, Sylvie Lebrecht, Rosie White, McKinley Brandt, Page, Joanne Russell, Dion Gorman, Patrick, Maddie Colvin, Don't Die, and Amber Tid. Thank you so, so much, guys. I truly hope you enjoy all the early releases and, of course, all the Dark Bites episodes. So, don't forget, if you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, let's lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door, as we hear all about the family reaper. My experience took place around a decade ago. To say it was a dark time in my life, would be an understatement. I was in a truly bad place, mentally, physically, financially. The downturn happened when Gary, my partner of nine years and father of our then 18-month-old daughter, Emily, had an affair. He was everything to me at that time, a loving, caring and selfless person always seemingly putting himself last to see to our needs. We'd done everything together, and how he even managed to find the time to have an affair, I still don't know. It wasn't just a case of me finding out, him claiming innocence, and then a long, dragged-out separation taking place. No. I simply made a comment about him working a lot of nights lately, and he snapped. He changed personality instantly. He actually laughed. He admitted he was having an affair, claimed I was stupid for taking so long to realise it, packed a bag and left. The last thing he sent me was a text on that day saying, I'm finally free. You made my life a misery. Good luck. We were nine months into a 12-month-long lease, and he was the main breadwinner. I worked part-time in a pawnbroker's, and my meagre wage was not even going to partially cover the outgoings. I was paralysed with anxiety, 
as everything I held true in the world collapsed. Prior to my off-the-cuff comment, my world was a safe and secure place. One hour later, a black curtain was pulled over everything I knew. It was such a dark time. God knows what I would have done to myself if not for my lovely Emily. The fact I needed to focus on her wants and needs allowed me to shelve, or at least delay, the crushing feeling of abandonment and fear. She was a joyous little baby, always giggling and smiling. She had the most beautiful little sigh that she would do after each belly laugh. I've never known a more content child. Even in the dark fog that had instantly fell upon our lives, she shone like a beacon, guiding my way through the murkiness. Thankfully, my family is a close and supportive unit, and in truth, they were as shocked as I was when I told them about Gary, especially my mother. She doted on Gary like a son, and I think she felt like he had cheated on her as much as he had on me. After what was basically a complete and utter breakdown in my mother's kitchen, my mum and dad stepped up and offered to make up the financial shortfall for at least the last three months of my lease and demanded that Emily and I move back in with them once the lease was up so I could get back on my feet. With my finances in the short term at least now sorted, it gave me a bit of mental breathing space. However, I still wasn't eating much or sleeping very well at all. And shortly after, Emily began to change. Her laugh became less of a belly laugh and more of a short chuckle. And each time she would chuckle, she would stop and look at the living room doorway as the smile would fall from her face. This happened far too many times for it to be coincidental and soon began to send a chill down my spine when she would do it. But the first time that genuinely made me believe she was seeing something was when she wobble-walked over to the doorway, took out her dummy and raised it in the air as if offering it to someone, someone that wasn't there. These occurrences began to get more frequent and it got to the point where every night I would read her a story. She would lay, head turned, staring at her bedroom doorway. I would even move my seating position to block the doorway as I read and she would cry and pull at me until I moved away giving her an unimpeded view of that doorway. It had me genuinely unsettled and just added to the anxiety that I was already being crushed by. One afternoon, I called round to mum and dad's with Emily. Interestingly enough, whenever we were out of the flat, Emily's usual content self would reappear, and she sat chuckling at my dad as he sat on the carpet playing with her. Mum brought me in a cup of tea and sat down. Mum, I began, not sure how to broach the topic. I know this sounds stupid, but I think Emily can see something in the flat. Dad overheard, 
and laying down to rest on his elbow, asked, What do you mean, something? Well, something. Like a, a ghost or something, I don't know. Don't be daft, love, laughed Dad. Are you seeing ghosts, eh? Our little Maud, he said, tickling Emily's chin. Don't call her that, John, snapped my mum. Her face was clearly taking my concerns seriously. Maud as in Auntie Maud, I asked. Auntie Maud was in fact my great-auntie, my mother's auntie, Grandad's older sister. She died before I was born and that was about as much as I knew about her. Mum just nodded and then shook her head and said, Maud wasn't the nicest of women. The Grim Reaper, eh? shouted Dad with a smile. John, snapped Mum again. Don't even joke. Why, what is it about Aunt Maud then? I asked. Mum shook her head at Dad, as if to reprimand him for even bringing her up. Well, Aunt Maud used to say she saw things, like ghosts. Oh, is that why Dad called her the Grim Reaper? I asked. No, said Dad, standing himself up from the floor. It's because she was widowed three times and she wore dark clothes, and this lot. He nodded at my mother, implying her and her two sisters. This lot called her it, basically taking the mick out of a poor old woman who had a tough life. That's not true, John, Mum fired back. Turning to me, she said, She wasn't widowed three times, ignore him. She was engaged to be married three times, and all three died. Two in the war, and one in a house fire. But she did say she used to see their ghosts, and others in the house that she lived in. She wasn't all there, I don't think. Anyway, she died a spinster. I think your granddad was the only one who went to the funeral. She didn't have many friends, and a lot of the family, well... They were a bit scared by her. They stupidly thought she'd bring them bad luck, interjected my dad. Mum slowly nodded in agreement. Anyway, she said to my dad, I'm not the one who came up with that nickname. That was our Andrea. Auntie Andrea was my mother's older sister, older by a fair few years. You won't remember your cousin Mark, said my mum, and I didn't. He was Andrea's eldest. He died in a car accident when I was four years old. Well, your Auntie Andrea swears down to this day that she was walking down the high street on the day he died and he drove past in the car and gave her a beep on the horn. She looked and waved back and she swears that as the car went past Aunt Maud was sat in the back seat staring at the back of Mark's head as he was driving. I shivered in my seat as she ended that sentence. Or, interrupted my dad, it's a load of nonsense and she's misremembering it. Mind you, who could blame her, eh? Dad shrugged. Mum just glared at him as he left the room. Just keep an eye on her, love. I'm sure it's just her getting used to Gary not being around, she said. I nodded because, as usual, she was probably right. Plus, it was a much better thing to believe than thinking my little Emily was seeing spirits, perhaps even seeing Auntie Maud. 
The following week, I was shopping in the local centre, trying to find a nice outfit for Emily for a friend's christening that was coming up. I was stood outside the bank after just using the cash machine, sorting my purse out when Emily began to get excited in her pram. Quickly putting everything away, I crouched down to see what was causing the commotion. Emily was mumbling something behind her dummy and kicking her heels against the pram, pointing off across the square. Ah, mystery solved. There was my nan and one of her friends walking into the baker's. Come on then, I said to Emily, pushing the pram towards the store. As we got to the doorway, out comes my nan. Oh, hello, love, she said. Oh, hello, my little angel, she said, bending down and pinching Emily's cheek. What are you two up to then? Oh, I'm trying to find hair and outfit for Sunday. I've got a christening. What are you two doing with your afternoon? Nan pulled a confused face. Us two? Yeah, you and... I looked over her shoulder and into the baker's, where I fully expected to find her friend being served. But the shop was empty, save for the staff. I was taken aback. I could have swore you were with someone when you went in there. Nan pulled a slightly concerned face, before quickly turning it into a smile, bending down to Emily. Your poor mum's seeing things now, she joked before returning to a serious face. No, though, how are you getting on, love, with Gary and all that? I just nodded and shrugged. It's hard, but what can you do, eh? Nan rubbed my arm and we said our goodbyes. This meeting really shook me. That woman with Nan was real. But she was also familiar in a way that I just couldn't place. She was also, which I didn't find strange on sight, dressed head to toe in all black. To this day I've never seen a picture of Aunt Maud, but I know in my soul that that was her. I was even more convinced, given the events of the following week. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong-arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. 
That's policygenius.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Just after I'd finished making Emily's breakfast, I received a phone call. It was my dad. My granddad, my mother's dad, had died in his sleep. I was devastated. Unlike most kids in school, I only had one set of living grandparents, my mum's mum and dad, and we were beyond close. My mum would always say that I got the dad that she didn't have. I got the retired, lived-a-life version of this man who was loving, kind, and had all the time in the world for me. She got the middle-aged, stressed, six-days-a-week-at-work father trying to bring up three girls in uncertain times. I don't think she resented our relationship, but I do think she envied it slightly. My point being, we were exceptionally close. I didn't tell my mother about what I believed I saw. The spectral Aunt Maud, the Grim Reaper, following my nan into the baker's because, well, what good would it do? She'd probably just tell me I didn't see it and, in truth, I didn't want to engage in such a debate. Especially now when we're all grieving. I was sat on the couch in the flat, looking through old photographs. Mum had asked me to find a nice one of Grandad to include on the back of a memoriam card, which they would hand out to the funeral. The memories all came flooding back. It was all so overwhelming. Illy. I glanced up and saw Emily. I smiled. Are you saying your name, darling? Emily shook her head and she pointed at the doorway. Illy. 
I moved my glance to the doorway. It was the middle of the day and bright outside, but even I got the sensation that something was in that doorway. Meanwhile, Emily kept her eyes fixed on the doorframe and then started nodding. She stood up, walked over to me and gripped my hand. Mom, she said, which was her way of saying come on. Where are we going, love? I asked, now feeling partially panicked. She frustratingly answered me as she pulled at me. I stood up and she led me to the front door and then she began pushing at my thighs as if to try and push me out of the flat. Now, now, I said, reaching down and picking her up. What are you doing? She leant back and glanced at the living room doorway and then began a deep, juddering cry and forced her head into my shoulder. I soothed her and rubbed her back, but I was petrified. I stared into the blank, empty space of the doorframe, and it felt as if I was being stared back at by a bully. A large, angry, powerful bully. That's the only way to describe it. That feeling where you're intimidated to the point of freezing on the spot. I slowly unlocked the front door behind me, and we backed out onto the apartment block corridor. We sat there until Emily calmed down, and then we headed back in. Whatever was there had now dissipated, but this felt like an escalation. I had one month now left on the lease, and it couldn't go fast enough. What I would have given for a chat with my granddad at that time. So, when my friends said they were going to a psychic evening and asked if I'd like to join her, I jumped at the chance. We met early in the pub to get some much-needed liquid courage. So, you believe in all this then? I asked my friend, Claire. She'd recently started at the pawnbrokers, and although we hit it off immediately, things like, do you believe in the paranormal, hadn't yet come up. Oh yes, she said enthusiastically. I've seen this one about five times. She's really good too. I've not been picked out yet, though. I just nodded. How about you? she asked. I took a while to answer, not wanting to blurt out what I was currently going through and look insane. I slowly nodded. I'm open to it. I I definitely think things happen that we can't explain. Same, she replied and finished her wine. We sat down in the back room of the local social club where the psychic was performing. The lights lowered and out walked a timid-looking mid-fifties woman with short grey hair. She gave herself an introduction and told us that this was not an exact science, how there were no guarantees on who or what may come through. Her little preamble made me a bit more cynical of the whole operation. She was basically giving herself a get-out-of-jail-free card if this all fell flat. However, the first person she addressed, she had in tears in minutes. And not with generalizations, with specifics, names, dates, locations. It was equally as impressive as it was concerning. I felt something shift in me. 
tilting me even further into the believer category. And then it happened. I'm coming over here, she said, pointing at me and Claire. This was it. I was hopefully going to speak to my granddad. I could tell him I love him. And I miss... Who's Tilly? The psychic shouted over. Me and Claire looked at each other and shook our heads. Oh, there's definitely a Tilly here. She stood behind you, my love. She pointed directly at me. I felt a coldness on my back. She's wringing her hands like this. The psychic began frantically wringing her hands. Whether it was because the entire room was focusing on me, I don't know. But the atmosphere seemed to have turned serious. The levity had gone from the psychic's voice. Oh, she didn't pass happily this one. I'm trying to... Do you definitely not know Attili? Again, I shook my head, quickly this time, hoping she would move on to someone else. She stared at me a long time. A long time. Like the silence got uncomfortable. Before saying, I'm gonna have to move on, love. But you ask when you get home, okay? I nodded and smiled. Right, who's Barbara? said the psychic. The room took a collective breath as the awkwardness stopped and she moved on to the next reading. What was that about? said Claire, leaning in. I've no idea in the slightest. Then, like a lightning bolt, it hit me. Illy. I remembered Emily muttering, Shit, I said to Claire. I don't know who it is, but I think it's got something to do with Emily. I was literally shaking in my seat. I spent the evening in the pub with Claire, and she listened open-mouthed as I told her about how Emily had been over the last few weeks. Claire suggested I get someone in to clean the flat. Spells and sage and smudging and the works. However, I told her I had about three weeks left on the lease and would then be gone. The next day, I was back round at my parents' house. Myself, my mum and my nan were all in the kitchen. Oh, how did the psychic night go, love? asked my mother. I'd been sitting here since I'd arrived, sipping tea and debating if and when to ask about any hidden tillies in the family. So now seemed the perfect moment. It was interesting, actually. Where to start? I said, fidgeting in my seat and clearing my throat. <clears throat> well, Nan, you won't know this, but Emily's been acting weird lately. I was telling Mum about it the other week. She's acting like she's seeing, well, ghosts in the flat. Nan shot my mother a cursory glance and slowly sipped her tea. I continued. Anyway, last week, Emily muttered Illy, and I thought she was saying her own name, but she said she wasn't. So yesterday at the psychic night, the psychic woman picks me out and asks me if I know a Tilly. That can't be a coincidence, can it? I mean, it must be something in the flat, because we don't know or have a Tilly that I'm aware of. Ooh, I've just went cold, said me mum. No, there's no Tilly. Maybe it's just a coincidence. A bloody weird one, like, she shrugged. Nan put her cup down in a hurried fashion 
and put her hand to her mouth. Oh my God, she said. We do have a Tilly. Really? I said, feeling dread rising up in my chest. Aunt Maud. Her real name's Matilda. Your granddad called her Tilly when he was little. It was like the air was sucked out of the room. I genuinely had to fight to breathe. This meant my worst imagined outcome was true. My little Emily was in fact seeing Aunt Maud, a woman who in life had a miserable existence and seemingly in death only came around when someone was due to die and she was appearing to my baby girl. That evening, things took a final turn. I'd put Emily to bed, closed her door, and was sat with a glass of wine on the couch, doing a futile search for two-bedroom apartments in my price range on the laptop. I stopped and turned my head towards the sound. It was from Emily's room. I placed the wine down and headed quickly into her bedroom, She'd fallen out of bed, still fast asleep. I picked her up and tucked her back in, tucking the sheets firmly under the mattress. She was relatively new to a bed after transitioning from her cot, but this was the first time she'd fallen out. I headed back into the... My wine glass was now precariously balanced on top of the wine bottle, not on the coaster which I'd hurriedly placed it down on. A sound from the hallway made me go out and check. It sounded like something fell at the bottom of the front door. As I entered the hall, there was Emily, fast asleep and sat with her back against the front door. I glanced at her bedroom door, and it was still shut. There was literally no explanation for this. I quickly grabbed Emily, threw a few things in a bag, and headed straight for my mum's. My parents listened intently as I told them about the terrifying things that just happened. My dad looked at me with concern, not belief, concern. My mother, on the other hand, was shaking as I told her the story. The one thing they both agreed on, however, was that I should not set foot back in that flat for the remainder of the lease. My dad would go round in the morning and get our belongings and hopefully some semblance of normality would begin. From that very next day, Emily was back to her usual self. The belly laughs and the deep sighs were music to my ears, and I actually wept tears of joy that I finally felt safe for the first time in what seemed like forever. More importantly, Emily had stopped talking to thin air, She listened to her bedtime story intently every night, for the first time in months. The fact the flat had been paid for and would sit empty for that last week was of zero concern to me. I would have paid anything to not set foot back in that place ever again. Then something happened. Something that made me re-evaluate everything that took place with Tilly. I received a phone call at 2am from the police. They asked if I was the occupier of the flat. Without going into detail, I told them I was, but I had less than a week left on the lease and I was living back with my parents. 
The officer said I was very lucky that I'd just moved out, as it would appear the gentleman who lived beneath me had had an electrical fault and a fire had broken out. The guy managed to get out in time, however, my flat had been gutted as the fire rose and spread throughout the upper floors. I was dumbfounded. The only reason we were not in that flat was because of the activity by Aunt Maud. My memory flashed to Emily trying to push me out of the flat, as if under instruction from Tilly. Was she trying to save us? Did she in fact save us? The story of my cousin Mark came flooding back. Perhaps she was in the car, unsuccessfully trying to save him from the crash. Maybe when I saw her with my nan, she was trying to warn my nan to get Grandad's heart checked. Never in my life have I felt such a powerful switch in my thoughts about someone. It felt like a sincere punch to the gut. I found myself closing my eyes and saying thank you, Aunt Maud, in my head. After hearing the news, the entire family's view of Maud changed. My mother and aunties no doubt dined out on that tale for years and still do. Even my dad admitted that this whole thing was, and I quote, proof of something after. I just know I'll be eternally grateful for that torment my great-aunt Maud put me through. What an absolutely amazing true paranormal experience from one of our listeners there. We've touched on it before, but I do find it fascinating when I hear a tale of a family member coming back to act in that psychopomp role. However, if I could posit my own theory here, I appreciate that within the tale, everyone's opinion of Aunt Maud changed, and arguably rightly so, by the end of the events. But what if Aunt Maud isn't necessarily a saver or an attempted saver of life? What if it works differently on the other side? Perhaps if we consider chance and even dip our toe into the idea of a multiverse, perhaps if there's a slim chance that death may occur... She's almost waiting to act as that Grim Reaper figure, that psychopomp, who would be ready to guide her relatives over to the other side. The whole topic of family members arriving at the point of death to guide you over to the next world is one that will fascinate me until that day when I die and finally get an answer to the whole conversation. And that brings us to the end of episode 8 of season 7. As ever, thank you for choosing to spend your time with me here on The Dark Paranormal. For our Patreons, I will of course speak to you on Sunday for another episode of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I will see you here next week for the penultimate episode of Season 7. So until next time, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next week here on The Dark Paranormal.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.